Hello and welcome to the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast. The elements are a metaphor, a simple organizational system to help us understand business and ourselves as business owners. And they are the components of nature, the roots of magic, and the building blocks of life. We all have some aspects of life and business where we thrive and others that are more challenging. By looking at these things elementally, we remove shame and judgment and can discern which elements would help us bring ourselves into balance. Earth, root chakra, Capricorn, Taurus, Virgo. Earth rules the parts of business that keep us safe and secure as we do our soul work. Sustainability, finances, contracts, systems, our core values, and clarity about exactly what our medicine is and how we fit into the ecosystem are governed by Earth element. Air, heart and third eye chakra, Gemini, Libra, Aquarius. Air rules our big vision, our ultimate picture of success. It's where we connect our medicine to a mission and decide what kind of impact we want to create during our time on this planet. Water, sacral chakra, cancer, Scorpio, Pisces. This is the realm of our emotions and business is emotional. How we feel about people, ourselves, visibility, uncertainty, how we handle stress and disappointment, all of this and more affects how you navigate your business. Water element is where we learn to resource ourselves and expand our capacity to hold the big feelings that come with doing our work in the world. Fire. Solar plexus chakra, Aries, Leo, Sagittarius. Fire is where we take our gifts, our uniqueness, and our creations, and we blaze them out into the world. All things selling, marketing, and the day-to-day actions of running our business are ruled by fire. Too much fire, and we burn out. Not enough, and our business never makes it off the ground. And spirit, crown chakra. Every good gardener knows the day you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit. Spirit rules the faith required to keep tending your business long before you've seen a single sprout of evidence that it's growing. No matter what you believe in, spirit element is what you travel through after you leap and before you land. Life thrives when all of the elements are in balance. So do you, and so will your business. To find out your dominant element, take our quiz at intuitiveedgecoaching.com quiz. Now let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. I'm so happy that you are here with me this day. I was going to say this evening. It's afternoon where I am, but uh, it's also getting dark earlier and earlier. So I think it's only like 4.20 right now, Hey, but uh, it looks like it's getting dark and it's going to feel like bedtime in like an hour and a half. Um, So wherever you are and whatever time of day you're listening to this, I'm happy that you're here. If you're here for the first time, welcome. Make sure that you like and share this podcast, that you subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Make sure that you share on social media. Tag me at Intuitive Edge Coaching. I love seeing that folks are watching the pod, listening to the pod. And uh, on that tip, Spotify wrapped season is upon us. It's the most wonderful time of the year. So you know I'm excited because I have wrapped 
for podcasters. And I found out that for 68 of you beautiful, amazing souls, this show is in your top 10 podcasts. And for something like 34 of you, it's in your top five podcasts. And for 12 of you, I was your number one podcast of 2023. And I'm blown away by that. I have said before on here that This podcast is and has been my passion project. It's something that I do because I really love podcasts and I really love doing it. And when I first started it, I really didn't think about people listening to it, which I know is a funny thing. And in some ways, I think kind of assuming that no one is finding stuff is something that insulates my creativity and allows me to just do whatever I want and be like, eh, you know, if somebody finds it cool, if nobody finds it cool, I'm happy just to make it. Uh, that's shifting for me a little bit. And maybe at some point I'll talk about some of my expansions heading into 2024. But one of them is on the idea that like, no, I am creating this because I want lots of people to listen to it. And I love um, our sexy little parasocial relationship. So thank you for those of you who are listening and enjoying the show and sharing the show. Uh, the number one episode by far in 2023 was my episode with David Bedrick about shame. And I love finding out that information and I'll be sharing it with David as well. So uh, for a lot of folks, that's where you started listening to the show. So if that is also where you started welcome. Thank you. I appreciate you. And if you haven't heard that episode yet, uh, I think it's called Unlearning Shame. It's a water episode with David Bedrick. Uh, Go back and take a listen to that episode because apparently lots of people really like that one. Uh, This is also a water episode, though it is a very air moon version of a water episode. Um, This episode is about perceptual positions, which is a coaching modality that I learned through my certification in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And I actually recorded this. First of all, I recorded it on my phone. So I am going to edit the audio as best I can so that it doesn't sound like I'm in my car, but I was in my car. So if it sounds like I was in my car, it's because I was in my car. Um, I actually recorded this episode a year ago and I forgot about it. And then I found it in my voice notes. And I remember when I recorded it, I was really going through something. And so what this is it's kind of an inside look into how my brain works when I'm coaching myself through challenging emotions. Um, and when I'm working my way through big feelings and sorting out, and I hate to say analyzing my feelings because that's not really what we're supposed to do with them. I found out way too late. We're actually supposed to feel them. Who knew? Fancy that. But as somebody with an air moon and an air stellium, I do analyze my feelings quite a bit. I do spend a fair amount of time journaling and asking myself questions and um, kind of sorting through, you know, why I'm having big reactions to things, not because it's wrong to have big reactions to things, but because sometimes the reactions that we're having are not rooted in the present situation. They're rooted in something historical, uh, that we're carrying around inside of us. And they're not necessarily attached to the situation at hand 
or they're rooted in an old wound or an old story, something that doesn't necessarily pertain to the situation where part of our reaction is to the situation. But you know, an emotion only persists, I believe it's for 18 seconds, something like that. Like it's a very short period of time that we're experiencing an emotion in the body Everything after that, all the suffering after that is our mind recreating that situation or compounding the situation or recalling up the feeling through narrative. And I find that really interesting. And so I do spend a lot of time in my inner world kind of spelunking around through my inner narrative, especially when I notice that my own inner narrative is causing me pain or causing me to ruminate or, you know, bring back unpleasant feelings about being wounded or hurt over and over again, long past when the initial situation occurred. And so when I recorded this, I was going through a difficult situation. I was going through some friendship endings and I find friendship breakups to be really, really challenging. I think that they are some of the most challenging breakups we go through, especially as adults. And There's not a lot of place, I think, to talk about and process through why friendship breakups are so painful. I mean, I think that there's a lot of discourse and understanding around why romantic breakups are difficult and painful, but sometimes with friendship breakups, um, people expect you to kind of like move on really quickly or get over it quickly in a way that I think is unfair um, because I, I do find friendship breakups really, really painful and difficult to navigate, um, So I was going through some friendship breakups and I was experiencing a lot of challenges um, navigating how I felt about these endings. And uh, I had some realizations uh, based in perceptual positions, uh, which is something that helps me when I have difficult interpersonal um, situations and hopefully you'll find it helpful as well. Uh, And so this is me kind of working my way through what I'm realizing about the situation, about my feelings, about what it means to be misunderstood by people, um, especially people that we love and care about. And so that's what you're going to hear in this episode. I remember that when I recorded it, I felt so close to it that I wasn't sure if it was like too spicy to post. Um, And then I listened to it today and I was like, no, there's nothing in this that gives away, you know, kind of like who these people are or anything incriminating. I don't sound angry or vindictive. Like there's no reason for me not to share this, but I needed that distance, I think, from the situation to be able to listen to the episode a little bit more impartially. So uh, I found this recording and I was like, oh, this is good and this is valuable and it might help other people. So I'm excited to be able to share it with you now. Uh, Before we hop into the episode, I just want to let y'all know that I still have spaces available for Best Year Yet 2024, my one-on-one mentorship and coaching package, and I will put the links for that in the show notes if you are looking to level up in your life, in your relationships, in your reactions, in your capacity, in the way that you process things and navigate the world. I would love to be uh, your strategic partner, your thought partner, and help you with tools to uh, expand your capacity in 2024. Uh, I'd love to be that person on your journey with you, so I will put that link in the show notes. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. I hope you enjoy it. (laughs) 
I've been thinking a lot recently about the phrase, people don't see you as you are, they see you as they are. People don't know you as you are, they know you as they are. And this is a phrase that's uh, been in my brain for a long time. I don't remember where I first heard it. I don't know who first had said it, but it's something that has been around in, in my brain and been helpful to me during challenging periods where I've felt misunderstood or misinterpreted in ways that I found painful. And I've been thinking about it a lot because it's one thing to get this idea intellectually, but it's a fully other thing to get it and have it land in the body and in the practical experience of being a person in relationship to other people, uh, which apparently is unavoidable. So rude. Um, And I'm not saying I have it, but what I am saying is that I go through these waves of getting it (laughs) more and more deeply and more and more clearly and in a more and more embodied way. And this is one such wave. As we've come through this most recent eclipse portal, um, the eclipse the solar eclipse of the new moon in Scorpio to the full moon lunar eclipse in Taurus and the two weeks in between. I've been through this tremendous shedding and everyone I know has been through this tremendous shedding and uh, a lot of structures have been stripped away or toppled or revealed and um, this eclipse portal wasn't just the culmination of a two-year cycle, it was also the culmination of a 10-year cycle. And I have had a lot of reflections and and opportunities for reflection around the endings of friendships that I've had, particularly with women uh, over the course really of the last decade. And um, these endings that had similarities and these friendships that had similarities Uh, wounds that I have around the feminine and my relationships with women. And I've had some similar uh, opportunities for reflection in romantic relationships um, with the masculine as well. But really in this cycle, it's been about my relationships with women. And that's not hugely important really to this um, idea about perception and people seeing you as they are. Um, But it's also coming up for me uh, in, in the field around me with dear femme friends of mine who are also going through romantic breakups. And let's see if I can break this down. I'm going to try. So this idea of people not seeing us as we are, people seeing us as they are. I've been through cycles of relationship ending where the other party has, um, I felt accused me of malice where there was no malice, 
of manipulation where there was no manipulation, of cruelty where there was no cruelty. They've assigned intentions to my behavior that were not my intention. And I have experienced in that this profound sense of injustice. It felt very unfair to me because it would make me feel like, well, if you ever knew me as a person, if you ever knew the person I really am, how would you think that about me? If you really knew and loved me during the course of our relationship and you know the type of person I am and the way that I speak and the way that I give and the way that I care and the way that I love and the way that I try to hold people, um, the way that I move in the world, you would never ascribe these, these behaviors or these intentions to me because you would know that they're not in my character. And so I've suddenly felt very unseen and very hurt and very challenged by these people's perceptions of me. And I've been like, if you could possibly think that of me, then you never knew me at all. And therefore, the entire relationship was fake. The whole relationship was a lie. We never knew each other. We were never close. Uh, you never saw me, and I was always wrong about the nature of this relationship. And there was part of me that struggled with that because I was like, wait, that doesn't feel quite right, right? It doesn't feel right that the whole relationship was fake. I don't want to take away from the experience of the relationship. And the nuance that just landed for me is like, no, it, it is right. They didn't ever know me. They didn't ever see me. And I never saw them, but that doesn't mean it was a lie. The deeper truth is we never know anyone and no one ever knows us and we never see anyone and no one ever sees us. Not a hundred percent accurately and not the way we see ourselves. And that can sound fatalistic maybe, or like kind of fucked up or, um, maybe a little morbid, um, but it's not. It's like, it's really not. It's actually um, about truth and, and freedom at the essence of it. And I want to try to get into how that is. So, If people don't see us as we are, they see us as they are, and they don't know us as we are, they know us as they are, then I, when I've had experiences where people think, oh, you're, you must be being manipulative, you must be being sneaky, you must be trying to trick me, what I'm seeing is you don't have a worldview that allows for the idea that someone could both want to be separating and want to end or close a chapter in a relationship and have no malice and not be angry and not um, want to hurt you and not say cruel things out of spite 
but you don't have a framework that allows for that because when you're wounded, that's how you behave. And so when someone meets you with behavior that doesn't match your expectation, the only logical sense for your worldview is that it must be a trick because that's how you see the world. And I didn't see that in you. I didn't see the potential for that in you because A, you never showed it to me. And B, because I don't move through the world that way. I don't understand it. I don't enjoy being angry at people. I don't enjoy putting emotional energy toward, um, you know, revenge or something like that. I don't, um, I, like, I literally don't have time in my life. Like, I don't enjoy being upset. If I'm really hurt or wounded or upset or I feel conflict, I want to move through it as quickly as possible and get back to feeling good because I want to feel good. And so... You know, for me, the second there's clarity that like, oh, this doesn't, this isn't serving us and it's time to go. I want to honor the highest and best of the relationship. I want to separate with love and with kindness and with integrity so that we can part company, um, and never have anything like negative to say about the way we disentangled. I'm open to conversations. I want us to have understanding. I don't want to have animosity in the world. I just don't want to, right? And it's not because I'm like some super evolved person. It's just because I don't enjoy being in pain. Like to me, it's just not logical. It's not logical. I have an air moon, y'all. I have like an air stellium. It is not logical that we should want to prolong pain to me. And so I'm like, okay, great. Let's make this clean and clear and get through it as quickly. Like it's going to be unpleasant. Separations are unpleasant. Endings are unpleasant. We don't have to make it more unpleasant by adding a bunch of like hurt and confusion and nastiness to it. That's unnecessary to me. That's just how I be. And so because that's how I be, I'm never expecting other people that I think of as being really like compassionate, evolved, sensitive people as being another way. But we all know that separations, endings, breakups, we see a different side of people because we're seeing how someone is when they feel rejected, when they feel the most activated, when they're in their own victim stories or abandonment stories, when they're in their wounding. Now we're seeing this is how you are in your wounding, which maybe I've never seen before or I've never had it. You've never been activated by me before. And so it's never been directed at me before. And now here we are, you know, in this separation portal and, uh, and the confusion veil is between us and the, the hurt and the assumptions, right. And the, um, the perceptions are all flying. And so here's what I'm noticing in this, this nuance and this sensitivity for myself is, um, the idea that. No, you didn't ever know me or see me as I am. You always ever saw me through the lens of your perception, your worldview, your knowing, your understanding, your experiences, your culture, your upbringing. You saw me through the tools that you have to perceive another person. And that is how I saw you as well. It is also how I see myself. And here's what kind of blew me wide open is that my sense of injustice comes from the idea that my perception of myself is the one that's accurate. Oop. What if that's not true? 
What if it's impossible to have an accurate perception of anyone, including ourselves? We're not completely objective about ourselves. We have the most subjective experience of ourselves. So our experience of self isn't the one that's quote unquote true. And also it is. And their experience of us isn't quote unquote true, but also it is <laughs> because there's like a one-to-one ratio of truth to human beings on the planet. Their experience of us is true for them. This is how they're experiencing us through their lens, through their life, through their um, unique views and experiences. And it is 100% true for them, emotionally true, resonant for them. This is the way that they're parsing and making sense of their world. And who am I to say that's not true? It's true for them. Is it accurate? Maybe not. Maybe. Because maybe there are points where I don't perceive myself accurately because of my subjective perception of self. Maybe it is more accurate than mine. Maybe there are places that I have to grow. And we can sometimes examine that. And sometimes we know when it's like, no, it's just fully not there for me, but that's okay. And they don't need to understand me. And I don't need them to understand me to be safe. I don't need to try to take their truth away from them. They're allowed to have it as a sovereign being. And I'm allowed to have mine. (sighs) But the idea that There is a right way to see me and a wrong way to see me. If that's fully not the case, if I fully remove that and instead I walk into every relationship, every single one, knowing that there are there are multiple positions, right? In, um, in NLP, we call this perceptual positions, and it's an exercise you can do to help people work through conflict. And I coach myself through perceptual positions frequently, where first you analyze the situation from your point of view. And then as clearly as possible from everything you know about the other person, you try to analyze the situation from their point of view. And then you float up 30,000 feet, like you're looking at the situation from uh, the perspective of an eagle or an airplane, and you analyze from above. You just describe the situation. Here's what person one is doing, saying, feeling, thinking. Here's what person two is doing, saying, feeling, thinking. And here's where they're missing each other. And here's where they're connecting. And here's, here's what they're getting. And here's what they're not getting. And perceptual positions can be really helpful for helping us to diffuse the charge that we have around a situation. And as someone who loves being right, y'all, my little Librostelium, let me tell you, I love to be right. Um, But because I'm someone who loves to be right, I need to do perceptual positions frequently and make sure that I am also like pulling back and not just, you know, not only do I have a Libra stellium, I'm a double Taurus. So I have to not dig my heels in to my perception of a situation and I have to back up a lot. Um, and so it's a very good tool for me. But if I can really hold perceptual position all the time, which, you know, we can't all the time, but if I can bring that into the context of my relationship containers and say, okay, you don't see me as I am and you never will. And that's not bad. That's not loneliness. That's not... Um, That doesn't mean our relationship is failing. That is the nature of being a person. 
You will always see me through your lenses. Now, does that mean I have the obligation, the responsibility to be very careful about the partners I choose and who I let see me intimately? And I want to make sure that like those lenses are lenses I want to be viewed through. Sure. Absolutely. That's where our choice points come. If I look back at friendships where I've I've been friends with people where I've seen them be petty or jealous or competitive or spiteful or create conspiracy theories about their friends, but they just hadn't done it to me, not to my face, until they did. And, you know, I'm sure we've heard adages about this in relation, in romantic relationships, right? If your partner's like a dick to everyone else, but they're nice to you, like you're going to have your turn. When we see these characteristics in people being clear, they will do it to you eventually because this isn't a behavior pattern. This is part of the way they see, feel, experience, and move through the world. If we see conflict avoidance and shutdown and inability to communicate emotions in them toward other people, rest assured, there will come a time when you will experience it with them as well. And just because you haven't yet doesn't mean that you're special. I mean, maybe you are special, but it doesn't mean that you're exempt, right? Because what you're witnessing in them is these are their lenses. And if you do not want to be viewed through those lenses, you might want to consider how close you want this relationship to get because there will come a time when they view you through these lenses. Those are their lenses. That's how they're looking at the world. That's how they're looking at people. That's how they're looking at relationship. And when we enter relationships knowing I will never 100% accurately see this person because I will ascribe to them my lenses. Now, for a lot of us, I know for me, the lenses that I ascribe to people are frequently kinder and more generous than they might deserve. Over and over, ascribing um, kinder traits to them than I've seen them exhibit And sometimes this is because of my own empathy. Sometimes it is because of my history of codependence. Sometimes it's because of my desire to see people through their own lens and my attempt to place them in the context of their own life, which can end up looking like justifying or explaining or rationalizing their behavior, their frameworks, their lenses through what I know of their trauma histories, what I know of their life experiences, what I know of their pain and being like, well, it makes sense that they would do this because X, Y, Z, and I'm making connections connections for them that they may not be making for themselves. And I'm holding out and extending for them a level of, um, of maturity and growth that they may not be experiencing, but I just know is possible for them. And that is also a distortion. It is also what leaves me surprised when they don't then behave um, with the generosity, the kindness, and the compassion that I've ascribed to them that I have thought them to be capable of when they don't choose those things and especially when they don't choose them toward me. And that was my mistake or my my inability at that time to recognize that I'm seeing them as I am. I'm seeing them through my lens. And again, it's not better. I'm not some great person. These are... 
trauma dances. These are wounding compatibilities, right? People who tend to love people's potential and make a lot of allowances for them and make a lot of allowances for their behavior and make a lot of allowances for their shortcomings and make a lot of allowances for their short-sightedness or their cruelties or their immaturities um, fit together with people who don't do a ton of that work because... Why would they have to if they can get into a relationship with people who do it for them? And those, uh, those relationships all tend to blow up in the same way. You know what I'm saying? Hey, entrepreneur, I don't care what stage of business you're in. If you're doing it alone, you're doing it wrong. We need people. We need people in our corner. We need outside eyes. We need someone to go to. We need that in case of emergency break glass person that we can call when we're stuck or frustrated or overwhelmed, when we aren't sure what move to make, or when we just want to celebrate our accomplishments. We need the right people on our team. No one who has ever built a big, successful business does it alone. You should not be trying to do it all alone. You need people in your corner because owning and running a business might be one of the hardest things you ever do. And most people in your life simply won't be able to relate or guide you if they've never done what you're trying to do. Ideally, I'd like to see you in one-on-one coaching so that I can really be a partner to you behind the scenes in the day-to-day of your business and walk alongside you through every season, every stage, even into the nitty-gritty details. But if you're not ready for that, at the very least, I want you to get into the Elemental Entrepreneurship Coven. Elemental Entrepreneurship Coven is the number one resource you need for success as a heart-centered creative entrepreneur. There is truly nothing else like it on the market. It's a hybrid of courses, group coaching, a mastermind, and a brilliant supportive community all in one. Joining the Coven will connect you to teaching and tools designed to guide you through every single step of building and scaling your business to six figures. No more questioning what to do all by yourself. No more buying random one-off courses on different topics and trying to patchwork it all together. Every single topic you need is covered. We're talking from legal structure to contracts to branding to marketing to product development, launching, you name it, it's in here. Can you imagine never having to buy another course again because you've already got it all under one roof and if you need something, you can just search it and find it? That alone is worth the investment. But you also get access to bi-weekly, high-impact live group coaching sessions with me, ongoing workshops with guest experts, and our private Facebook group so that you can stop doing business alone. And you should. An Elemental Entrepreneurship Coven is one amazing way that you can do that. Go to intuitiveedgecoaching.com slash coven, C-O-V-E-N, to join today. And as a special thank you for being a listener to the pod, simply enter the code podcast on any checkout page for 11% off your first three months of membership at any level. That's intuitiveedgecoaching.com slash coven and enter the code podcast at checkout. 
I can't wait to help you grow your business so that you can make a bigger impact, help more people, share your gifts with a larger audience, and make the money you deserve to be making for your gifts, skills, and talents. But most of all, I want to see you so confident and so self-assured that you are just as talented at running a business as you are at the thing you do. And that is within reach when you join the coven. So I can't wait to see you inside. Let's get back to the show. The other beautiful gift that comes from stepping into the lens of really understanding perceptual position and really understanding that not only do I not know myself accurately, I know myself through the lens of my own perception, my incredibly subjective lens, my own blind spots, my own justifications, my own deep knowledge of my own history, my own wounding. I know myself through my lens and that I know other people through my lens is that when I can really know in my bones that I will never know my partners and I will never know my friends. I get to open to the idea of discovering them as an active part of being in relationship. Sometimes thinking that we know people, oh, I know them, I know how they are, I know what they'll say. Well, sometimes you're right, but also like, doesn't that ever stifle their growth? hold them in the picture that you have of who they are. It doesn't give them room to surprise you. It doesn't give you space to accurately perceive who and how they're being in this moment and evaluate, do I like that? Do I want that? Is that where I want to put my energy? Sometimes the answer is no. And when we take away the idea that we know people and instead decide that we get to learn them every day. We give them the space to surprise us. We give them the space to grow and to be limitless and to always be evolving and changing. And I want people in my life to hold me that way. I don't want people to not have conversations with me because they assume that they know what I'm going to say or how I'm going to feel about something. So they're like, ugh, I don't even need to run this by you because I already know. Maybe sometimes, maybe about small things. Maybe people I pay and empower to do that, right? Like sometimes like I don't need my assistant to check with me about every little thing. It's actually better if they kind of know. But Again, that doesn't require mind reading. It requires boundaries and policies. That's a whole separate thing, right? If there's a standard operating procedure and we've already discussed it and we have a whole if-then flow, you can make decisions on my behalf because I've empowered you to do so. And there's a rubric for making those decisions. Sidebar. You know everything has a sidebar. Um... I don't want people to make decisions for me. I've been in those relationships too where people don't have big emotional conversations with me because they assume that they know me so well that they know what I would say or how I would react or how I would feel about something and they don't want to deal with it. But that that idea, even if they were correct that that's how I would feel, I want to be part of the relationship and I want to have the opportunity to share that for myself. But a lot of the times it's wrong. It's an assumption that's based on the other person's wounding or the other person's fear, the other person's insecurity, or like what they're ascribing to me, again, seeing me through their lens. The reaction they're ascribing to me might be 
you know, more narrow than the reaction I would really have. I remember I had a partner who would frequently go through this and they'd be like, well, I already know how you're going to feel about this. So I just don't want to talk to you about it. And I would be like, well, how do you think I would feel about it? And they were like, well, you'd be mad or you'd be disappointed in me or you'd be upset. And I was like, yeah, actually I I wouldn't care. (laughs) Like this thing that you're worried about is not something I would be tripping about. Like if you told me you wanted to do that, I would support you because I support you and I want you to be happy and I want you to be healthy and I want you to be fully expressed and I want you to be fulfilled filled. And I want to be allowed to be disappointed. And I want to be allowed to be angry. I don't want you to try to control my emotions. I want to be allowed to be a full human being with a full range of expression. And you getting to decide which of my feelings you want to experience and which you want to avoid and make choices about what you'll bring forward in the relationship based on trying to, you know, you never want to experience my anger. You never want to experience my disappointment. That makes me feel like this love is... um, very limited, right? And I I almost said conditional, but all adult love is conditional and should be. Um, But if your love for me is predicated on me always being agreeable and me always supporting you and me never being disappointed, never being sad, never being hurt, never being angry, then you don't love me as a whole person. You only love what I do for you. Um, And that might not be the lens that I want to be perceived through. That might not be the relationship that I want to be a part of. Um, But so frequently they were wrong about, they were incorrect, I'm sorry, about what they perceived my reaction would be. And they were incorrect because they were perceiving me through their own lens, their own wounding, their own fears, their own insecurities, which is different also than being really clean in yourself and trying to feel into someone else's heart and into real empathy of the other person, right? Because empathy is the ultimate perceptual position. When we're really trying to get out of our own story, our own wounding, our own fears, our own insecurities, and feel into the other person's heart and be like, damn, you know what? I don't think that person is petty. I don't think, I really believe that this person um, holds me in the highest of regard and wants what's best for me and cares about me. And I think all of this other stuff that I have, this fear, this anxiety, this worry that I won't be accepted or loved or seen, or that they're going to be disappointed in me. That's actually my stuff. That's my self projection. That's how I feel about it. And I'm using them as the avatar for my own shame. I'm not looking at my own shame points. I'm saying you would be disappointed in me, so I'm just not going to do that or I don't want to tell you. But what's really happening is like you're disappointed in you. You don't like this thing about yourself and you're ascribing that to me instead of really looking at the part of you that's like either I don't like my own behavior or um, I have something from the past coming up, Um, some judgment, something from my childhood, some parent, some teacher, somebody coming up that's shaming me in my head and saying, you shouldn't be doing this, but it's not me. I'm not doing that. And it takes a lot of inner work and self-knowledge to be able to differentiate true empathy, truly feeling into someone else's heart and trying to feel in your own space and in your own body what's going on with them and be able to tell when you're feeling them and when you're feeling your own shadow, your own stories, your own 
wounding your own perceptions. And sometimes that's about somatic work, right? Like if I'm running it in my mind and it, it feels like nothing in my body, it's probably a head trip. It's probably me overanalyzing. It's probably a story I'm telling myself. When I can genuinely feel it in my heart or in my gut or in my body, it's more likely to be that I'm able to like feel into the other person's field. And even if I am tapping into my empathy and feeling into the other person's field, it doesn't mean I know them. It means I can feel that moment. And that moment is transitory. And people are transitory. And truth is transitory. And experience is transitory. And how this person feels right now in this moment may not be how they feel tomorrow. And holding them in the idea that I know them based on what I feel today and I can extrapolate that out to tomorrow or three weeks or four weeks or five weeks from now does them a disservice and does me a disservice. And so when I look back at these relationships that have ended, when I look back on these separation points and I think about how I've had this moment of being like, oh, if you believe this about me, then you don't know me. It's true. They don't. If you believe this about me, you never saw me as I am. You only saw me as you are. That's true. They did. And if that is the case, then it means the entire relationship was false. No. It means that the entire relationship was two people in their own individual perceptual positions, both playing position one. And incorrectly, sometimes, ascribing position two, rarely taking position three. And one person probably being overly generous in their assumptions about the other, and the other person probably being not very generous in their assumptions about the other. And that the relationship has been this from the beginning, and I either didn't see it before or wasn't willing to see it before. But it wasn't false. I just wasn't fully aware of the truth of the nature of relationship, period. I thought it was possible for you to know me as I know myself and for me to know you as you know you, yourself. I was attached to the idea that my perception of myself is the one that's correct. And if you have a different perception of me, then you're wrong and you're doing me a disservice. And that's probably not true either. It's a much more mature edge for understanding people and for understanding ourselves. I wrote once there's no such thing as being misunderstood. There's only being understood in ways you don't like. And I think that that's, I wrote it and I didn't understand it then and I understand it more now. And sometimes we are fully unaware. Sometimes other people do have a more accurate perception of us because they are having that external perception, because they're looking at us from the outside. Sometimes people do see things about us we don't see. And so sometimes our, our subjective experience of self, as much as it feels right to us and as much as we feel justified to ourselves and as much as we feel correct, <laughs> um, sometimes we're wrong about ourselves. Sometimes we are incorrect about ourselves. 
Not always, but sometimes. Sometimes people are seeing something about us that we don't see because we can't see it from our position. And being willing to analyze and feel into, are they right? Is this true for me? And I want to be very careful about that because I know my folks and I I know I have some profoundly sensitive people and also people who are kind of prone to like a lot of uh, self-flagellation and thinking that everyone is right about you except for you, right? So it takes a lot of uh, clarity in your own center to be able to feel, to hold and analyze, like, is this is this right? Is this thing, this thing, this person saying about me right? And to feel into it. And you'll, you know, I think sometimes we have an edge where we're like, oh, fuck that stings. But I think it's true. I think that they just saw something in me. I didn't see it. I'm going to go work on that. I'm going to analyze that. They're right. I do have this point that I need to work on. And sometimes we feel into it and we're like, no, that's not true. That's not true about me. I know myself and I can feel through my body. I can feel through my intentions. And I know that this thing that they're saying about me is, is their perception in this moment. It's true for them. Um, but, but it's a projection and it's not, it's not really me. Um, and that's a practice too, right? Being able to consider that what something is, that what's being said about you might be true and really consider it and discard it if we know that it doesn't click into place inside us, if it doesn't ring as, okay, I I can see I have a growth edge there. So we don't know anybody and nobody knows us and we don't see anyone accurately and no one sees us accurately. Have a nice day. (laughs) It sounds so um, robotic, but I feel like there's such um, beauty and power to it. You know what I'm saying? I hope you do. If you do, let me know. I'd love to hear it. Um, Okay, love you. Bye. That's our episode for today. Thank you, as always, for being here and for listening to the podcast. I know there are so many things that you could be doing with your time, so many things you could be listening to. It is an honor that you choose to be here. Connect with me on Instagram at Intuitive Edge Coaching. Have a great day.